Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of The School for Dumb Women, the podcast where we explain the subjects you slept through when they taught them in school. I'm your host woman, panic napper Hannah Varrell. With me is I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, 90s party girl Alexandra Haddo. Live fast, die young, leave a corpse filled with kebab meat. That's my motto, Hannah. And pretends to be asleep to avoid household chores, Carolina Donahue. I'm a feminist, Hannah. I believe in equal rights, but also I'm a delicate princess and I shouldn't be expected to do anything ever. The hypocrisy is delicious. This week we're talking about woman's four-legged best friend, Lindsay Lohan, and that hole in your stomach that feels like fear, but is actually your navel. We should state that Lindsay Lohan does not have four legs. There was a comma after that statement. Yes. <laughs> or does she? <laughs> Let's start the show. So, Caroline, when I was younger, uh, my daddy couldn't afford to buy me one of you. I am the four-legged, velvet-nosed keeper of young girls' dreams. I am the humble pony. Oh. Oh, Oh, guys, guys, can we talk about ponies? Yes, please. First of all, your relationships to ponies, tell me. Um, Always loved them. Yeah. Thought they were the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah. Um, really wanted to go horse riding. Didn't really start horse riding until I was like 13, by mm-hmm. which point it's kind of not... A little bit of a late start, yeah. A little bit of a late starter. And then did like horse did horse riding for like three years and then was a teenager. And then just grew out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Alex? Wasn't asked. Wasn't asked at all. <laughs> Excuse me. How dare you? Not bothered. I mean, I rode a pony on like a beach. But you were just like, this is fine. I feel personally yeah. offended. I, I actually am pissed off at you. <laughs> never, never asked. What do you think about them now? Yeah, nice. Did you read any pony books or any nope. pony media? No. Have you seen the Lloyd's TSB advert with the black horse? Yes, I enjoy him a lot. <laughs> he is good. He's metaphorical. Yeah. <laughs> Small fact about ponies is that uh, the difference between a pony and a horse is that a pony is under 14 hands too. Oh. Everything above that is a horse. So I asked Twitter today who their favourite pony was and what was their pony like. And obviously I want to say that, I mean, you can own a dog, you can own a parakeet, but like no one ever owns a pony. Oh, unless you're like mega butts rich. No, not even those people own ponies. Really? Oh, you just mean that you have a pony, you don't own a pony. Sort of yeah, thing. exactly. You, no one can truly own a pony. Oh, right? I see. In like a spiritual sense. Very much in Taking the sense. own out of pony. <laughs> and in, the sa- in, the, in very much the same way, everyone owns the pony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, ah. that's, how, that's how they put the own in, 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 in pony. pony. There it is. <laughs> I was getting that. I was like, it what was is this? very good. It's very, very good. Because, um, like, when you ask somebody, like, about their pony experiences, they're always like, my pony was named Goggles. And it's Aww. like, oh, what do you mean your pony? It's like, yeah, I rode him twice a week for a year in, like, a pony school. Do you know what I mean? It's Aww. very that. My friend Georgina actually had horses and a pony. Yeah. I think I went out with them once. 
you don't need to own a pony to have a pony is what mm. I'm saying guys yes you can just literally have a pony that lives sort of near you that you can walk to and feed over a fence and yeah. that's your pony I rode a naughty donkey called Mary on a big <laughs> 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 That's my favourite sentence I've ever heard. I rode a naughty donkey called Mary once. <laughs> like on a on a beach, not just, you know, yeah, yeah. about. Actually I used to like <laughs> about. I used to like feed the ponies in the fields in my the village though. Yeah, and nice. everyone's got a lovely... You had such bucolic upbringings. I didn't have any ponies near me that Well you're a city like... kid. You were probably graffitiing yeah. the ponies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All the time. But I want I wanna share some of them, our listeners, and what their pony responses were. Okay. Um Cat Brown is a like a famous horse owner person isn't mm-hmm. she she's oh like Hepburn is really really good about writing about horse riding and stuff and uh, she said that there were four Harrys at the stable she visited and That's hers was Harry Batiste oh the shampoo <laughs> I know I was like work <laughs> um, and then she went on to marry a man called Harry oh Ooh. wow so the relationship between pony and love affair is already very strong with Cat Brown. that's so weird because really. my pony was called random man in a club <laughs> Okay, the the other pony response I got, I got lots of pony responses, but the other one I thought was really, really great. And if you read any pony media uh, as a child or a teenager, <laughs> this will be very, like, resonant. I just keep thinking you're saying pony media, but in a Cockney accent. <laughs> read your pony media. <laughs> this Okay, this one's from um, Kirsty Merrin, which is a very, like, pony book name. Yeah. Yes. Like, Kirsty's first day at Pony Club was going great. Kirsty brought her brushes with her. Yeah. The saddle said her name on it. Oh my god, I was like climbing a tree while you guys were reading these pony books. <laughs> so um, she came back to me with literally, this is like, this is the entire tweet. Bonnie was mischievous and naughty, but very lovable at heart, and amongst other lovely things, once rescued my mum from a sudden lightning storm. R.I.P. my sweet Prince Bonnie. What? Wow, that, people are really into ponies. That is like, that is a pony literally book. Literally a pony book, yeah. All pony books are that storyline, which because is like... Because the pony has to do something to prove its personality. It can't just right. be like a lovely pony. It do has the ponies to kind of talk like... or is it just like a girl with... No, well, it rescued no, her Alex. Mom. Okay, sorry. A pony, every pony book is the same, whether it's Saddle Club or any of the other like adjacent brands, which is like a group of girls who are like best friends and they all have ponies and they're all like separately good at a pony thing. Like right. Brushing pony yeah. or feeding pony or with a flashing hand. <laughs> jumping pony. <laughs> Um, and then there's like and then halfway through there's a kind of like vaguely rural crisis like right. a lightning storm or yeah, like, or like a county county fair that's yeah. going to be called off oh totally yeah yeah it's very community okay and then and then the pony helps or, or and saves someone or they save the pony and show their own bravery so the, the pony shows bravery or the girls show bravery right so anyway I've talked about ponies for five minutes I said nothing factual <laughs> um, I wanted to know why I love ponies so much why girls in general love them so deeply. Like, I always think it's like, you're post-Barbies, but you're pre-boys kind of thing. It's that lovely little space in the middle, generally between about 8 and 14 kind of thing. I think what I really liked about ponies and, like, riding was, like, you feel so powerful because you kind of have the control. I mean, to to a certain extent, it's still, like, an animal. You're still, like, Um, walking around a dust ring with an instructor. Yeah, yeah. And breaking your hymen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, the hymen is important. But like to some extent you you have control over this like huge animal and you're like, you know, a couple of meters up in the air and uh yeah, I don't know, you got yeah. hats on, you feel kind of invincible. Well, that's a really good point. So actually, guys, I consulted an expert on this. Ooh. You can you can tell our passion for any subject whether when we talk when to a third yeah. party <laughs> and we don't just look at Wikipedia. 
Um, so I talked to Susanna Forrest. She is the author of a brilliant book called The Age of the Horse. That is also another pony pony club name, Susanna Forrest. Yeah. Very that much like so. But she was, no, but she runs the pony club. She's not one of the girls. Yeah. She's one of the like. Oh, mums. completely. She's like strict but fair. Mm. And Susanna sort of, Forrest was the next pro. And then her husband left her, so she set up this pony club. <laughs> Totally. Like, or I got a bit Joan Collins with it. Yeah, so yeah I mean, yeah. it's fine. You're still within the, the oeuvre of ponies, so it's fine. Okay. Um, but she sort of, I, I asked her, like her, her book, The Age of the Horse, um, was very much about like the relationship between women and horses and ponies. And um, I asked her like what the whole thing was. And she's like, you know, it's a really interesting thing because it is very much about power. Yeah. Like you can like, control this animal in, to a certain extent. Like you can, you can go really fast with it. You can jump over stuff it's great yeah. and as well um, because traditionally it was one of like the few things that women were allowed to do and kind of encouraged to do like right, yeah. you always think of like all oh, the ladies back in the day what were the things so it was like drawing painting playing the piano riding like having an yeah. excellent seat is a very graceful thing to do yeah. but actually riding is a really physical intense like quite painful experience as well just, just with how many muscles that you're using and so even when you're riding side sandal like you still have this sort of area in your life of autonomy and power and like you have a relationship with this like huge beautiful animal yeah, kind yeah. of thing um, so, I, so she reckons it really sort of started from that place and sort of grew and grew as women like became more competitive in the horse ring in the horse in the sort of horsey sports and like yeah. it's actually one of the very few sports and obviously there are you know different experiences different stories the very few sports that's quite inclusive of women like obviously mm. jockeys tend to be all men but in terms of like the society of hunting all that stuff like you could be a, a man hunter or a woman hunter and yeah. like, no one gives a shit really and in the Olympics there's always like female riders aren't there yeah just show jumping and stuff trotty, yeah. trotty stuff dressage thank yes. you yes dressage dressage where the horse dance um, and, and she had so many interesting things to say Susanna I could literally have talked to her all day but one of the other things that she um, came across is like the way that women relate to horses as creatures. Mm. So like they're these very, very beautiful things. They're always in paintings. They're like, we know from art that we have always thought of them as like society as like beautiful. Yeah. The way we talk about horses and the way we talk about women historically are very similar. Like in the sense that like they're beautiful, but they have to be controlled. Yeah. That is what the language about both things. Yeah. And that the whole thing about um, breaking horses as well, the yeah. whole breaking a spirit, like it, it's like what's that? That's when you have like a really young pony and it's like a wild wild animal, um, and you have to like teach it to have a saddle on its back and like a bit in its mouth and everything, and so yeah. that's called breaking it in. So oh that's God. eventually it'll it'll be like okay with having a saddle on, it'll be okay with having like a person riding it. Yeah. Oh God! It's essentially domesticating is, yeah. a creature. That's wild. And Susanna sort of reckons that like women relate to these animals through that in a way and um, she actually did you guys ever read or watch Black Beauty when you were a kid yes what a film so good so good I don't know if I I think I have read it but I've never seen it but I was very young this is a nice change because normally I'm the one that doesn't know pop yeah. culture things and Alex suddenly... you never had a loop on these things it's actually shocking and scary to see you so confused <laughs> I don't know what's happening um, but Black Beauty everyone will remember it. there was this um, this Black Beauty was the main horse but his sort of girlfriend was Ginger and um, she gets like broken in uh, she like gets really mishandled and she gets like shipped from like house to house and from business to business until eventually she just sort of dies. Mm. Oh. And like Susanna sort of describes her as like 
the great indignant feminist because like wow. the way that because the, the book is, is very much told through the, the horse's perspective and it's like yeah, you read the that horse scene, is the first person it's straight from the horse's mouth yeah right straight from the horse's mouth <laughs> and, and it's like you read that scene that breaking scene and it reads like a rape scene it reads like just mm. like being forced upon being controlled it being about control and like, I think that's so fucking interesting don't you yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, do you think we'll have a look back and be like oh we treated horses quite badly Vicious kisses. So I think we did. I think, I think we do it currently. Yeah. I mean, how many horses die in the Grand National every no, year? No, that's what I mean. In the future, we'll look back yeah. and, uh. and think, why why did we allow that to happen? Yeah. And also, like what Susanna said was really, really interesting to me. She said that like, it is sort of, because when you go through your pony phase, what I used to do anyway, I used to like cycle down to the pony yard that was near our house. And I was just sort of, there was nothing for me to do except for like, hang around and like in in like riding boots and jodhpurs and like an old jumper belonging to my dad and just sort of see if anyone needed help just because I wanted to be close to these animals yeah. so badly and like she sort of talks about it as if like it's a kind of a space for you to just kind of exist outside of the how you look or like you know how you're socialized in school yeah it's just very like you kind of exist in this very sloppy unfeminine way on these pony yards. And I think lots of girls have that experience, don't they? Yeah. 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 Not me, but you guys. <laughs> I feel like um, because you grew up in like hardy working class Corby, you're like, these fucking privileged wankers. <laughs> these well, middle class pricks. Yeah, because I lived in Corby, but then I moved, I moved like I'm literally a mile down the road. But there was, it was a village attached to Corby. And there was like, ponies and horses in a few fields around the village I guess but yeah it was working class areas so it wasn't like you ever rode them you just saw them yeah they were in like little paddocks and it was still very not very urban that's not fair but like it wasn't idyllic countryside you know yeah it wasn't the kind of place where like yeah like you see like 12 year old girls with their like half livery ponies no like I see horse riding and that entire industry as like something totally alien to me and very posh yeah yeah Whereas I think with the sort of riding a school experience for most people, it's just like, yeah, it's what you do for like a ten or an hour once a week kind of thing. It's yeah, like yeah. very removed from that. I've like, often thought I'd like to learn to ride a horse, but yeah. I've never got around to it. Oh, we'll take you. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we'll just get a pantomime costume. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me and Hannah will just be two ends of the, of yeah. the horse. Shotgun, I'll be the Irish Shotgun horse. front, yeah. yeah. Alex's first ride. <laughs> Guys, I'm not very pleased with you. I nearly had to cancel this week's mixer because Caroline accidentally littered and you didn't pick it up last Thursday. Caroline, that's appalling. Actually, no, Alex, you're not innocent either. You've been calling footballers bums on Twitter. Sorry, how is this relevant? Well, you both have bad social credit, which coincidentally is the topic of this week's Women Who Code Mixer. Oh, no. My terrible personality has been brought to light. (laughs) Also, I think I've been perving on footballers' bums, not calling them bums. (laughs) So in the Women Who Code Mixer, we take an element of coding or tech and try our best to work out what the heck it all means. And this week, we're venturing over to China to check out their social credit programme. 
Uh, Alex, you investigated credit scores back in episode seven, very early on uh, in the podcast, and they were nonsense, weren't they? Yes. Oh, that was the first like proper angry one we did. We were really yeah. pissed off. Yeah. And then we were like, is it okay for this podcast to be angry? <laughs> and it was. I guess so. <laughs> and they saw that it was good. Yeah, so the idea of social credit is uh, it's a very similar idea to kind of credit scores. You get points for being a good member of society, essentially. And at the moment, there's a big program in China where they're hoping to have a big national database, like a nationalised social credit score for everyone by 2020. Um, and this that's going to Black Mirror. No, is... exactly. Yeah, yeah, no. People, people have said that. Apart from it's not necessarily people rating each other. So there's an episode of Black Mirror, just in case anyone's not seen it, where people rate each other based on their interactions. So I bought a coffee from you, mm-hmm. and um, you gave it to me with the wrong milk or whatever, or I didn't say thank you. So you can rate me down, and I could rate you down, and then that means that you have less credit to use elsewhere. So if mm-hmm. you want an upgrade on a flight, you might not be able to get it. So that's the idea behind the Black Mirror episode. And this is kind of the same thing. Like, basically, people will be ranked on things like what they've bought, who they're hanging out with, if they've had any minor infractions, like traffic violations and things like that. And it's goddamn scary, guys. That's really, really scary and horrible. So um, what's the payoff if you have a high social credit score in China? So you can show off about it, Right. firstly. So they're hoping that the system will be in place in 2020. And for the minute, they're kind of testing it out with eight different pilot systems um, run by different companies. And there's one run by a company called Sesame Credit, which is part of Alibaba, which is like a massive kind of Amazon thing. Mm -hmm. And they've hooked up with this dating app that encourages people to share their social credit score with potential matches. No, It's so strange. So you'll see someone and be like, oh, they've only got 85. Like, I don't think I'm interested in that person. That's horrendous. Isn't that strange? Also, what have we learnt about giving people all your data? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What's weird, though, is that um, in ways... Because of virtue of China being far away, it's very easy to point the finger at them. But there are so many ways in which our culture is set up in a similar way. Like clout, clout was a thing that happened for a while. What's that? It never took off. People would be given scores out of 100 based on their followers, how many followers their followers had, the quality of their followers. And then it was all totted up into like a number. And also like we rate Ubers, we rate our Just Eat experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there's a planning document um, from China's state council. Most of this information, by the way, is from a really good BBC article, which you should go and read. And apparently their whole idea behind social credit is that it will forge a public opinion environment that trust keeping is glorious. Which is really scary, isn't it? Because that's not trust. That's like blackmailing people to be like, look, you need to, you know, you need to be the best version of yourself. You need to not do anything wrong. You need to not hang out with any kind of insalubrious characters. Um, There was one thing that said, like, if you play a video game for 10 hours every day, you will be classified as like lazy. And so you'll be marked down. Your (gasps) social credit score will be marked down. If you're buying nappies, you're probably a parent. And so you're responsible. So your social credit marking will go up. Fucking hell. That is terrifying. Isn't that so scary? Just for the sake of like argument, there are some people that think it could be a good thing. Um, Apparently in China, many people don't own houses, cards or credit cards. So their credit score in terms of like financial credit score isn't available because they don't have those products. So for the people who don't have credit history, it actually could be quite good for them to get a social credit history to be like look we're trustworthy Um, that is a really good point yeah but then it will make things happen so for example if you want to rent they have an umbrella rental service in china which i think is very sweet and um if you want to rent an 
umbrella, you and if you have a good social credit score, the idea is you won't have to put a deposit down because they know that you're a good person and you're going to return the umbrella because you yeah. have a good social credit score. It's, well, in theory, it's a really lovely and refreshing idea that like, what if the value that we placed on people was not about how much they earned or how much they were putting in their bank account, but how nice a person they were. Everyone yeah. wants to live in that world. Yeah. But once you formalise it, it becomes mental. Yeah, and it's yeah. that whole thing about like... Um, Going back to my English degree, Paradise Lost by Milton, the whole idea that humans have to have the ability to sin in order for them to choose not to sin and in order for yeah. them to yeah. then be a good person. Like you can't just say, well, you don't have sin anymore. Like you can't physically sin. You can only be good. But then where's the kind of, you know, Completely comparison? like compliance where's is the, the same thing as morality, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that was our Women Who Cried Mixer. Yeah. yeah. Unusually serious one, but I liked it. Yeah, don't definitely. Go to China. Yeah. <laughs> also, I had three wanks today, so my social rating is very low. <laughs> three? Oh, yeah, working for my Oh, of course, yeah. yeah, never mind. Alex, your segment today is about a gifted child performer who has recently fallen on hard times. Is it me? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, segment on me? Well, okay. similar. It's about a sort of strawberry-haired, gingerish lady who is probably quite nice. <laughs> um, no, it's, my segment today isn't on you, Caroline, but it was inspired by something you wrote oh. this week. Um, Caroline wrote a great piece on thepool.com talking about the sort of party girl set of the noughties, uh, Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan. Would you, would you class Britney Spears in that, Caroline? Yes, I would. I think she was slightly older than them when that yeah. was happening. Like Nicole Richie. Yeah. Give us a quick summary. So I wrote this piece about Lindsay Lohan. It started out specifically about Lindsay Lohan because she did this um, big interview with New York Times where um, she revealed, first of all, that she wasn't giving them any photographs. So there was this big profile that didn't feature any pictures of her, just people around her, which oh. is very odd. And then uh, she also revealed that she lives in Dubai now. Why does she live in Dubai now? She lives in Dubai because she it's the only place in the world where she can afford any sort of privacy. And I found, what I got really fascinated by was like, isn't it interesting that like one of the most famous women in the Western world at a certain time, the only place she can find any solace in a feminist society is in a non-feminist society because it's the only place where she can get any privacy. Yeah. And I was just thinking about the wild girl set of the early noughties. And I remember being really coached to hate them because they were so supposed to be so diabolical or whatever. Yeah. And where I think all of that came from, I think it's so fascinating, um, is... So the internet in the early noughties, it was the first time everybody had the internet in their house, and there was a, very, a lack of regulation and a lack of a th- like ownership. People were very anonymous. It was like a lot of like celebrity blogs that were being updated in real time. Perez Hilton is one of the big ones. So this like celebrity gossip industry exploded almost overnight, but the pool of celebrities that we were drawing from were very relatively small. Like, there were, like, a dozen people, essentially, and they were these young women who were just mm. going out and partying a lot. Whereas yeah. now we have so many celebrities to choose from because of like, YouTube and, and Instagram. They all sort of share the flack. But these women just got all this hate and yeah. all this coverage. So I, I read the article, and if you haven't read it, um, please go and read it. It's very interesting. And you were talking about, you know, exactly how much uh, how much grief they got. And, so, and Lindsay Lohan, I think, had it the worst... Yeah, um, because I think she, you know, coped with it as we all would do, you know, kind of chaotically. 
Um, and I also think that the reason that she got it the worst was um, because we didn't see Paris Hilton as a child, but we did see Lindsay Lohan yes. as a child. Yeah, so it was true. very much like she was America's daughter gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because yeah. I was, so I was looking into her backstory. I'm not going to go, get, you know, full biography, but um, most of you probably know she was a child star. She was working in adverts and commercials and stuff from the age of three. Oh, that's so young. She yeah. was considered a veteran at ten. Oh. At, was that know, when she was doing Parent Trap? Yeah, she, like yeah uh, a little bit older than that, but um, you can just imagine her coming into like a casting meeting with like, a cigarette, like a mink on it, <laughs> yeah, and being like, "Where do you want me? Where's and my it, mark?" Yeah, and it, her sort of origin story, like if she was a superhero, uh, it, it's kind of what you would expect as well. Like her dad was a Wall Street trader, her mum was a singer and a dancer. They've got together and got divorced twice. Mm. Like the, it's, you know, there's this very sort of like glamorous woman and a Wall Street trader, and didn't quite make the top lead. It feels very society. 80s. It feels very Reagan era, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It feels yeah. very like um, not Wolf of Wall Street. What's the Michael Douglas one? You know, Money Never Sleeps. Wall Street. Wall Street. <laughs> Literally, Wall Street. That, it is called Wall Street. <laughs> you know, but like that eighties greed and the you know the shoulder pads and yeah, the, so you can just want see more, it all like, now, like the big hair and that more, 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 more. Put your daughter on TV at three. You know, it doesn't sound like they needed the money. I don't know that. Um, but yeah, she's kind of thrust into this this limelight, and of course, she went a bit mad. And like you say, she was being like celebrities have been doing what these women were doing and what Lindsay Lohan was doing since time immemorial. But there was not a million cameras, there wasn't phone cameras, there wasn't the internet. You know, yeah. Hollywood celebrities have like nobody can cope with that level of fame. Mm-hmm. So they've all been sort of chaotic in their own, like relatively. But then Lindsay Lohan just hit a new wave of it and was like patient zero. Basically. So when did she first start to like, you know, get a personality and start kicking off and sort of be an object of like rather than, oh, this actress Lindsay Lohan be like, oh, that troublemaker Lindsay Lohan. Like at what I age did that sort of start? It was kind of just before she filmed Herbie. I think. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely up agree to that. With that. She'd been like she did Mean Girls, which is a great film written by Tina Fey. She got a lot of praise for that. Mean Girls um, is genuinely iconic. Like it's yeah, gonna, yeah. it's gonna be remembered in like twenty years. It's, and it's like our Breakfast Club. And I, yeah, and I do, I do feel like she was almost on a knife edge, and she could have been somebody iconic now. But it was just yeah. too much, too soon. Yeah, all and at the she same is time. iconic, but in a completely but in a completely different way. way. Yeah, like she she was praised for her early appearances. She was in other films as well, like um, Freaky Friday with yeah. oh, Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis, stuff like that. But then she just from Herbie, I think she, she split up with. How old um, was she when she was filming Herbie? So she was nineteen. Film. Right. When, okay. when, when it started well, that's, filming. That's not as young as I would have thought necessarily. Yeah. yeah. But like she's 32 now. In fact, she just recently celebrated her 32nd birthday. And I don't know whether so, that was why that profile young. was on. Yeah. I, I honestly thought she was like 36, 37. Like a lot old. I'm 30. A lot older than me. And when I was read that she just turned 32. Yeah. I was like, she's less than two years older than me. And she has endured like the it's so worst, strange isn't it you know? it's so weird because um, growing up with Lindsay Lohan it's like oh when when she when I was 10 she was 14 and she was in the parent trap and I was when I was 14 she was 18 and, yeah. grew, and like it felt like we were kind of growing up on the same trajectory but now it feels like she's like lived a thousand lifetimes yes, and, yeah. and like lived through many wars and yeah. seen many ghosts and I'm still it's weird it's like our, our time space continuum like slipped out yeah. like, <laughs> massively step with each other yeah it's like it's exactly that I feel like I know seven different long term relationships and long term narratives with Lindsay Lohan and this era and that era and when she was with Samantha Ronson for a while yeah. and like, oh, but yeah. I think apparently you know she started to you know feel the pressure after she broke up with uh, I'm going to try and say this Wilma Valderrama <laughs> <laughs> yes Fez from that 70s show 
Yes, and yeah. she had a long, t- she had quite a long term relationship with him, and then that. So I guess that was your, your, when your first big relationship uh, ends. Everybody's a bit of a mess, let alone when you're the, sort of the cash cow and you're this young woman for the where these studios are depending on you, mm. yeah. and you're like, actually, no, fuck off. Like I'm gonna go out and get drunk with my friends, but as a famous person, that's like you're yeah. mental. And then of course everything is more extreme for them. And she's developed, you know, loads of like substance issues over the years and stuff. And it, and like you do, you know, she is the punchline to a lot of jokes. And yeah. I've worked at magazines where they've had obituaries ready to go, like, really? or, I've, or I've had to like update picture files and stuff because they've literally been like, she is gonna die soon. And she seems to have that's chilling. Yeah, it's horrible, isn't yeah. it? Um, and she went through these like extremely chaotic years, and I think she was on a lot of medication, a lot of drugs. She had all these. I mean, she had an abusive relationship quite recently. She's accused him as, of being abusive and stealing twenty four thousand pounds worth of yeah uh, her possessions. Oh god! And he was like a millionaire or a billionaire or something. Yeah, he it's was just Russian socialite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he, that, like, he strangled her on a beach that she now owns. Oh my god, that's amazing! That amazing? I, didn't, I didn't know that she owned that. Specific yeah, in beach. that profile, they're on that beach, and she has this like big club that she started called Lohan House. Yes, and she said the minute that happened, I said I, the first thing I thought was, "Oh no," and the second thing I thought was, "This is going to be my beach." Wow! And I was like, "You fucking queen!" Like, oh, good on her. This is the thing I think because I I looked at an interview for, of her quite recently, and she kind of revealed that she owns this club in Athens, and now she's like you say got a Lohan Beach House, which I think is in Mykonos in yeah. Greece. And she's also designing a makeup line, and she's also building an island in Dubai. And it was it was the Dubai thing that really sparked my interest for this mm. section because I was like, wow, she's living in Dubai. How strange! Yeah. And how remote? You know, how much did, has she had to take herself like, out of her let, whole let's life? Let's remind yeah. ourselves that in Dubai, it is technically illegal to have sex outside of marriage. Yeah. Like this is an international party girl who was called a slut her entire young adult life. Yeah. And mm. she lives in a place where it's. Like yeah. it's not legal to have sex. Do and you know it's what I mean? almost like for famous people or like for young women like her who's in the public eye, it's got to be one extreme or the other. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be like, oh, well, I'm celibate and I'm living in Dubai and I'm living a chaste life and I'm clean. Or she's out of control. She's on drugs. She's on alcohol. She's yeah, like yeah. falling out of cap. She's had, I mean, she's had, like, she's definitely had surgery and she, you know, she would look so much nicer if she didn't feel like she had to do that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I but, don't but know you, you that. Can't, I but you can't that, question but. the journey that got her to that yeah. feeling like she has to do that. Yeah, exactly. And I just feel like I never really felt sorry for Lindsay Lohan before. And then your article sparked that. And then when I looked into it, I was like, God, and I really hope she's on a much better path yeah. now. Yeah. Because she's uh, she recently celebrated her 32nd birthday in Lohan Beach House on in the place that she owns. Uh, which is a club or a bar, restaurant type place, uh, with her mum. Her mum was definitely there. I don't think her dad was there anymore. I think she's had some troubles with her dad as well. Um, yeah, with her mum and uh, a few close friends. Yeah. And I was like, God, could this be actually a happy ending? Yeah. Because, like you say, you never really think of Paris Hilton as being the victim to all this because she's always been... I mean, she's the Paris Hilton Hilton's dynasty. always been in control, though. Paris Hilton, for her, like a, a TV show and the fame yeah. and everything was almost like a different type of fame completely and and the difference between Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan is that Lindsay Lohan sort of like grew up in the studio system that was very patriarchal and she was this cash cow like she did like four movies in a row that were all smash hits for that demographic but she was still living in this very tight studio system that was almost like the 1950s or something and she was so controlled by that and so obviously whenever she got any freedom she just bolted into the fucking horizon whereas Paris Hilton created a new form of fame that then influenced the Kardashians 
Kardashians kind of thing. She yeah. was like, I'm a party girl who goes all over the world, drinks and, you know, meets famous people and that's my career. Yeah. And she was Just so self aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll do the same thing. And what, what I always think about as well is um, Robert Downey Jr. He was the exact same trajectory as her. Young, talented actor, everyone's rooting for, has this massive substance abuse problem, in trouble with the law loads of times, lays low for a long time. Everyone thinks he's going to die. He's in prison for a bit. And then he rises yeah. from the ashes because men are more beautiful and more interesting when they're 35, 40, yeah. whatever. And then he becomes literally the most famous actor in the world. Like, And I don't think Lindsay Lohan is ever going to be given that second chance. No, and, but I, I don't know. Maybe she'll have a sort of Mickey Rourke, Robert Downey Jr. style comeback. I hope she does. This would be a sad story anyway, but she's genuinely so talented. Like she's her, like from when she was a kid, like her comic timing's always been great. Like she's just really good at what she does. And there's... Yeah. Think about, like, there's so many roles out there that could be great for a 35-year-old Lindsay Lohan and that we'll probably never see. Yeah. Because the best thing for Lindsay Lohan is for her to keep on living quietly in Dubai. Like, for yeah. her. Yeah, because that's the way she's going to stay yeah. well. I hope she does have a Mickey Rourke moment. Yeah, you know? when she's she ready. have her, the you know? wrestler, you know. Yeah. Anyway, we're rooting for you, Lindsay. We Come love back. you, Lindsay. <laughs> we're Absolutely. out here. Team Lindsay. Yeah. Team Yoko. If we ever talk about a woman on this podcast, unless she's Mother Teresa, we're on her team. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Now, your segment this episode is about something that I finger in a comforting way. <laughs> what is it? And what does your finger smell like when it comes out? It smells like candy floss. Does it? No, it just looks like candy floss. It's <laughs> belly it smells a bit fluff. weird and fishy, doesn't it? Mine yeah. smells like cheese. Mine smells a bit, a bit like fanny. I don't know why. Really? I guess because it's near there. Oh, I was joking. I don't think mine smells. Go on. Have, it a, does. have, have, have a little really? rubber. sniff. Go okay, on. Hang on. I'm doing it right now. Okay. All right, she's getting in there. Oh, I was about to say, it's minty, which sounds like bollocks, but I used um, imperial leather mint uh, shower gel today. Oh my God, the best shower gel. <laughs> we'll never know the original smell of my belly button. <laughs> yes, we are talking about belly buttons. Um, God, belly buttons are weird. 
Like, when you're a baby, you get fed through this. I know, yeah. it's so weird. It's so oh! squeamish and strange. And then my question is, so you obviously get birthed. Yes. You cut it, you tie it. Yes. It falls off in a gross thing. Yes, have you ever seen that? I, yeah. I googled pictures of it, and I, I've not seen yeah. an umbilical cord get clamped and it sort of, like, dry up and, like, fall off in real life. But I pictures, have. oh, my God. Right. Guys, can I tell you something that you're not going to believe me, but it's true? Go on. So when I was about 14, I was looking at my belly button. I was literally navel gazing, which is the age to do it. <laughs> um, and I sort of like felt something in there. And like, I've got an innie, it's a pretty deep innie. Yeah. And like, I, I was just like fascinated. And I was like, what's that? I could, it felt almost like a scab or something. Yeah. Like, I have a scab in there. And then like, I dug in with a tweezers and just sort of like separated the folds of skin and found a little tiny bit of brown <gasps> sort of scabby Ooh. not scabby but like it, looked, it was like protruding like almost like you know when you have a wiggly mole you know when you have oh, a really wiggly mole oh my god wait was, was it was it attached to you still it was attached to me oh. I literally no one ever believes me when I tell them the story so I've stopped telling it but li- I, then I just why like, would they not believe it. you because no one believes that your umbilical cord can stay on for 14 years oh, oh yeah it's still it's still in there on the inside yeah and but like I just like plucked it off and there was like a tiny bit of like scab blood or whatever but like it was a bit of umbilical cord Ooh. oh my god you've literally like done fa- like done the final bit of your own birth yeah I have yeah. Like, yeah. oh my god you cut your own cord I'm so glad to get that off my chest guys Oh, and out of your belly button absolutely <laughs> absolutely disgusting but what happens to the tube once because like now you don't get fed through there so was there just like a yes that was my question yeah. that I've been wondering for years and years actually same um, and I googled it of course um, I googled you know what happens to all the sort of stuff that connects your belly button to um, your stomach. Yeah. And essentially what happens is once you're born, obviously you take your first breath and everything sort of like gets rewired. Sort of right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your lungs start working like through your breathing and everything and you start being able to like drink milk and digest stuff in that way. And basically all the tubes that sort of were connecting your belly button to your stomach just sort of aren't used anymore and they sort of like shrink into ligaments. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, and there's a ligament which connects your belly button to your bladder, which is why sometimes if you sort of like wriggle your finger around in it, you can feel it in your bladder Ooh. or your nether region. You? And that's why you push that. on your belly button, you need to pee. Yeah. Oh my well, god. Maybe that's also you pushing down on your bladder. Maybe. But my sister used to do that. She's like run around the house chasing me and like trying to push down my belly button so I wet myself. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. One time when I was like 16. Uh, my boyfriend was around Ew. and my brother got me on the floor, stood on my stomach and I farted. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually hilarious. I'm like, that is bans. Yeah. <laughs> but did you, were you like, oh my God, I've proved to my boyfriend that I farted? I was like, Tom. Oh, but um, no, it was funny. Like we all found it funny, but I was secretly mortified, obviously. <laughs> oh God, I remember we're having boyfriends as a teenager just always having stomach cramps because of the farts you're holding oh, in all the yeah. time. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah, the completely. football. Anyway, so anyone who's had a baby um, will be absolutely laughing at my ignorance of like, you know, how disgusting belly buttons are and like, what even happens there? Um, Have you ever heard that like the way the doctor knots the belly button or like clamps it or whatever is what affects whether your belly button is an innie or an outie? No. No. Have you not? I always, I mean, this is probably really stupid. I always thought that like if you were fatter, you got an outie because it pushed it out. I don't think that's true. Okay. Yeah, but I'd somewhere heard 
or like came to believe that um, it was the way the doctor kind of like tied up your belly button, even though I'm like, no, they don't tie it up though, do they? Because they clamp it. Um, but that was what affected like the shape of your belly button. And so you'd be right. like, oh, the doctor gave you a nice one. And it was like, oh, cool. Because <laughs> um, I do have a lovely belly, belly oh, button. Oh, do guys. you? Give us a look. Oh, Aye, very, very nice. Yeah. Very classic. It looks a bit like a semicolon. Classic T shape or J. Yeah. J yeah. Shape. yeah, lovely. For the very... listeners at home, Hannah has an exquisite BB. Mm-hmm. Thanks, babe. BB! <laughs> Brooklyn Beckham. Um, <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, obviously, like the, the way the umbilical cord is cut has nothing to do with actually how your belly button looks in the end. Oh. Because um, the bit of the cord that's still left on you shrivels up and the bit that turns into your belly button that's just scar tissue that's just a scar from, oh from like, like a tv kind of, jab oh. it sort of like pushes the umbilical cord off and creates a little, its own little scar oh. yeah which is kind of cool it's apparently like a mood ring. i know apparently only 10 percent of people have outies wow yeah which i would have thought like you're considering like any or an outie is a question like yeah, yeah. i think um, one fact about belly buttons that I know that's probably on your list, so sorry to spoil them, is that um, Alfred Hitchcock didn't have a belly button. Ooh! Ew! Also, yeah. Karolina Kurkova, who's a model, a supermodel like Victoria's Secret, doesn't yeah. have one either. <gasps> um, and that's because, well, in her case, I know it's because her. she... Really? Of her. Oh. <laughs> in her case, it's because she had surgery during infancy on her belly button, I assume, and so it kind of just... There's kind of like a dimple, but there's not Ooh. really anything there. And sometimes um, when she does photo shoots, people Photoshop it in so that people don't get confused. Yeah, I wonder, like, if you were looking at, like, a lingerie billboard and, like... Would you be able to put your finger on why you felt weird looking at it? Would it be like, something's wrong about this image. What yeah. is it? <laughs> Apparently, um, when you're pregnant, sometimes your innie can get pushed to an outie. Yeah, it happens this all the time. This is why I thought that the, oh. the, the amount of like whatever's in your stomach influences like it out. I always thought that it pushed it out. Because I've seen pregnant women with yeah, outies. It does, they, yeah. say, they say there's a word for it. Do they just say, have you popped? Oh, oh gross. Which is when it goes to like... I've also out. seen like like fat men on the beach with outies, so yeah. But mm. I, you know, I've seen men people with outies as <laughs> Makes well. Makes it sound like I go to the beach to observe fat men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a list of celebrity outies actually. Ooh, um, Giselle Bundchen. No. Yes. Is she? She should you be gonna... like a like a representative for a charity. For I know. Um, Jerry Halliwell. I know she's got a different surname now, but I can't remember it. Don't care. Uh, <laughs> Jerry Horner. Jerry Horner. No, Thank she's you. never gonna be Jerry Horner. Sorry, bitch. Uh, Katie Holmes. Yeah, oh, I bet that's why the Scientologists threw her out. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. Um, Michael Jackson. Oh, all right, big old outie. Doesn't anymore. Yep. <laughs> Did he ever come outie? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no. Oh, oh Michael. There's a shit ton of bacteria in your belly button. Mm. Mine does, like, I don't know, maybe I need to, like, clean it better. But mine does smell quite bad. Um, there is a woman who has made cheese out of the bacteria. No! Belly button. no. Fuck that woman! No! Yep. no. Yep. But. Absolutely. Um, apparently, the average person has 67 species of bacteria swarming around in their belly button. That is rank. Don't care for these facts. That's horrible. It's like a yeah. tube seat. Yeah. Uh, mammals have belly buttons, obviously, because they have like umbilical cords and stuff. No, they That's don't, because my dog doesn't have a belly button. Dogs do have belly buttons. They don't. <gasps> no, apparently they do. It's like a tiny little scar. So it's not going to look the same as, as ours. Yeah. Um, but there's there, somewhere under her fur, there will be a little scar, <gasps> which is where her belly button was. I'm going to go look when I go home. It's yeah. Temperature. Because each puppy will have its own placenta. Puppies. Which it comes out with. But like, no. what do animals do in the wild? Just drag around the umbilical cord and placenta until it oh, 
drops well, off. Well, the mother sometimes eats the afterbirth. So. Yeah, well, sometimes they'll, like, bite it off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, my friend had a baby, and you have, like, this uh, form where it's, like, your birth plan. Like, what do you want for this? What do you want for that? Like, water birth or whatever. And as a joke, she wrote, um, due to religious be- beliefs, I would like my husband to gnaw through the umbilical cord. Oh, Fans. no. And, and they he? were like, ah. Oh. No, she was joking, obviously. But, like, <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. Yeah, and they were like, um, uh, madam, do you... And she was like, I'm obviously kidding. Aww. Just do the normal stuff. <laughs> That's so Aww. funny. Um, finally, okay, I found a BuzzFeed quiz. What does your belly button say about your personality? So, Ooh. Alex, choose your belly button. Your options are classic straight up and down innie, right. wide innie, medium outie, proper outie, weird black hole, and a T slash J shape like, like I have. I've got one where it's like not that far in, like you can see everything. Yeah, no, I've got the same. Let me show me yours. We'll, we'll both reveal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hang yeah. on, I'm going to investigate. Okay, so I think mine's quite a deep innie. I think I think yours is um, the first one, kind of classic, yeah, deep innie, kind of straight line up and down. It's kind of deep personality. Yours, oh, yeah, interesting. So yours I mean. is like a kind of innie-outie. Like, I can see where it ends. Yeah. yeah. Um, Good for sitting down, putting my back on. <laughs> okay, so Alex, your belly button oh. is... Confused. Oh my god, so me. It says, you seem to always be in the middle of everything and making a decision is the hardest thing in the world. Correct. You spend a lot of your time trying to seek approval from others, even at those moments when you think you are sure of yourself. Jesus. This belly button quiz is going in hard on Alex. It's true. It is, yeah. I I wouldn't say approval, but I'd say I want to keep everyone happy, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you're not indecisive. Like, you just, like, make up your mind and just charge. Yeah, yeah it's true. It's true, yeah. Got a lot of things. What's my belly button? Do you reckon that's the closest one to Caroline's? Yeah, I think so. Yeah? Okay. You got... Oh, come on. You got introvert. Oh, oh. excuse me. I'm an interesting introvert. Although you may be capable of human interaction, it exhausts you. <laughs> like, oh, really? <laughs> I don't know if this could be further from the truth. <laughs> you hold on to your moments of solitude with your dear life. Well, that's true. And at the end of a hard or not so hard day's work, your bed and computer await your love. I don't know. I think that's fairly good. Yeah. No, some of it. Some of it is. Yeah. But not all the time. No. Like you. You I definitely just, I have an extra paper. side. Yeah. Hannah, what are you? I got old soul. Oh, you are the yes, oldest are. soul on earth. This belly button quiz is all you need, guys. Oh yeah. my god, you Fuck are wise. The zodiac. Yeah, <laughs> you are wise beyond your years, and often spend time alone contemplating the world around you. True. People feel yeah. very comfortable opening up to you, and you love to listen. In difficult situations, you're able to see a clear resolution, making you a great leader. Oh, this, I, I mean, like that. This quiz is very wise. It's very, very wise because, like. Um, Hannah is actually the youngest of the three of us, but she's also the boss of this podcast, yeah. and she wields with an iron fist. Yeah, I do. Also, for a young person, you have a very comfortable relationship with disappointment. I feel like you're always like, expected to be disappointed <laughs> in a very mature way. <laughs> That's the wisest thing you've ever said. I'm an old soul. You are an old soul. Aww, and I, I do like feel that. like I'm like a... like Because I'm loud and I talk a lot, people don't realise how much I need to be alone so much of the time. Yeah. So, um, well, if they just looked at your belly button when they met you. Yeah. Yeah, like, exactly. Skip all that awkward bit about me cancelling plans. Yeah, they'd yeah. be like, I yeah. understand you. Yeah. No Great. need to explain. I think maybe I've got an old soul stuck in my belly button and that's yeah. why it smells so bad. <gasps> Free me! <laughs> it's like um, like Ursula's lair when she's got all the mermaids all shriveled up. That's what's in your <laughs> belly button. Oh my God, it is. souls. Na na na. Na na na.
every so often on the School for Dumb Women, we invite you all into our tiny broom cupboard sized office that has one desk and lots of like books on how to become a primary school teacher. Um, and we offer a guidance counselling session, which in light of this podcast is just us going through Reddit relationships, finding a problem and then trying to answer it, even though nobody asked us to. <laughs> so That's just how guidance counsellors work. Though, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Always giving I didn't ask advice. you if I wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> I had to come here for 10 minutes so I could get out of maths. OK, so today's Reddit relationships is... <clears throat> This guy I'm seeing doesn't like it when I post pictures of myself at the beach. He assumes I'm seeking attention or something and wouldn't compliment me on anything just because I took the pic for social media and not for him. My ex, however, would hype me up and support me. I am not sure if this is a red flag or what. What do you think? I can sum this up in one sentence. Get back with your ex. Yeah. (laughs) Or not like not necessarily get back with your ex, but just like get find back with someone. someone. You were on a steadier course with that yeah. guy. Yes. Recorrect, recorrect with somebody like that. Yeah, I think it's a massive red flag when Huge. a bloke is, has like a, something like sassy to say about how a woman presents herself on social media. Yeah, yeah, like, completely. Do what you want, and Unless I think it's you know at the detriment to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, and I think the alarm bells start ringing. Like already, he doesn't like it when I post pictures of myself at the beach. Like, mm, not really cool. But the worst bit for me is he doesn't like it because I took the picture for social media and not for him. Yeah, yeah. you don't take like, pictures. What? Like for your boyfriend? What all the about? Time. What if she was just taking the pictures for her, for her friends? Which she yeah. is. If she's putting it on social media, she's doing it for her friends. Right. I think that that's a big thing. A huge conversation the whole like selfie generation selfie they're yeah. all taking who is it for who is it for like who are you trying to impress it's like yeah there is a bit of that they're like I, like no one can accept that like a woman is just like I look cracking today and yeah. I want people to know like what's, what is wrong with that why does it have to be sexual why does it have to be about jealousy why can't it be about yeah. celebrating why does he have are? to own her image when yeah. she's at the beach this guy is controlling I can tell you right now definite red flags yeah However, for the sake of like us not just saying the most basic thing ever, yeah, and uh, and then finishing the podcast on a lazy note, I do. I'm going to admit something, and I don't feel. I feel like a bit like I'm being a bad feminist here, but there are people I follow on Instagram and social media who like. I feel like I'm getting like five or six astonishingly beautiful selfies of them a day. Bloody hell! Yeah, or like you know them in bikinis and like all that kind of stuff, and. I just feel like after a certain point when it's kind of a constant stream of how attractive they are, I'm a bit like, why are you doing this? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get that, um, like, completely. And let's, okay, let's play devil's advocate. If you are on social media loads when you're with your partner, I always feel like you must be a bit bored. Yeah. Yeah, because- that's a fair point because maybe it's a bit of a miscommunication and he is kind of saying, like, why are you taking all these selfies? Why are we not just hanging out at the beach? Like, maybe he's having to take the pictures and that's kind of a oh, pain in the Oh, maybe he's become an Instagram boyfriend. And yeah. he's like, My friend had her friend to stay recently for a weekend and then she was like, Alex, I took, I had to take 174 pictures of her on Tower no. Bridge. Oh, that's what well, was one shot on Tower Bridge. I, I I kind of like respect these people who are able to like say to their boyfriends or their best friends like yeah take a picture take a picture again and like stand there and have like full on photo shoots in the middle of the street because they've seen a nice door they want yeah. to be up against yeah. like but, the like, shamelessness of it I'm I like know. oh my god no I honestly when like when people when I take pictures with people for like work or whatever I feel so ashamed of myself if I ask for even one retake I feel like I'm being so vain mm, and yeah. like, I don't know maybe it's like that's the slight I mean we're all millennials generally but that's the slight generation difference of like I still feel old enough to feel ashamed of what I look like yeah, <laughs> yeah and no. I think it's such a complicated 
matter as well because you you never kind of exactly know how much of them taking this photo is them feeling social pressure to present themselves in a certain way to present themselves as someone who's just hanging out at the beach in a bikini and how much of it is actually they just thought they looked good and wanted to like feel confident and they were like yeah I'll put that picture up and you can never really know where that line is drawn for that person and kind of you know which side of it they fall also, I think one of the red flags in this, I, th- I do think this guy is a red, massive red oh, flag yeah, and we should get rid of him. Yeah. But um, the big red flag in this for me is the fact that it's the beach. So it's not about, it's about skin for him. Yes. He's like, Correct. he doesn't want anyone seeing his girlfriend's tits or his girlfriend's boobs or whatever, or boobs and tits are the same thing, <laughs> or her arse. And like, it's very like a protective like. Yeah. Yeah. There's the classic start of controlling behavior, which is. Oh, I don't want people to see how gorgeous you are because I want, yeah. I just, I, you know, I want that all to myself. But then you change the tone of that and it's like, I don't want anyone seeing what you look like. I want you all to myself. Yeah. And, it's yeah. Just and like, that's really creepy. Yeah. Ship, right? But also, what if he's just like, you're being really boring? Yeah. Like, exactly. That's well, a if different he is. conversation. Yeah. Then he needs to say that and not like, you're not taking these photos for me. Like, yeah. Cool. Bit him off, love. Glad that we fixed that woman's relationship without her asking us to. Yeah. You're welcome. Well, that's the end of the podcast, guys. Thank you, as always, to Gavin Day for our logo, Harry Harris for our jingles, and Soho Radio Studios for recording. Thank you also to the anonymous person on Reddit who did not ask us a question. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do head over to the Apple Podcast Store and rate us, or if you're feeling very generous, leave us a review. Bye! 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 By the way, the, the the whole time you've been doing this segment in my in my head has just been if you want it, let's do it. Did you just bring up songs again? My pony, Gen- what? Pony by Genuine, literally the best song ever. Okay. Right. Okay, Alex's song again. That's what we have. So <laughs> you know it. It's in Magic Mike. It's like the sexiest song ever. Oh, I do love that film. Yeah. So I'm glad there's pony references in it. Yeah. Approved. Selling a little. Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.